Good morning. Welcome to Epic, everybody. My name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And if you're new with us, you came on a great day because today we're starting a brand new series that I think has huge implications for all of us. What we're going to talk about in this series really can impact every part of our lives and it can determine the quality and depth of our relationship with God. So I said last week that this may be one of the most significant series that we've done over this past year, if not in the life of our church. So glad that you're here for it. Now, anybody just like weirded out by our stage today? Anybody want to come up and clean it? Okay, great. Anybody else really cool with it? Like, oh, don't even notice it. Looks like my garage, right? Or your garage. Great. So let me explain why our stage looks like this. It does represent my garage. So my garage often looks worse than what our stage looks like. Some, some people keep cars in their garage. Some people keep boats in their garage. I just keep stuff in our garage. Some of it's important stuff, you know, like, like my tools, you know, that, that stuff is very important to me. I need that stuff. We've got some Christmas items, you know, that, that kind of stuff is important, especially as the Christmas season's coming up. But we have boxes of, of old toys that my kids don't play with anymore. And we have boxes of old clothes that they don't wear anymore. And so my garage just gets so piled up with just stuff. And what I found in my life uh, and over the past number of years of being a parent, my wife and I have four kids, but what I found is that every few months, I get the privilege of spending one whole day cleaning my garage. And it's kind of one of those days that my kids don't want to be around me, my wife doesn't want to be around me, the dog avoids eye contact, you know. I mean, nobody wants to be around me on that day because I get pretty frustrated, you know. And it's frustrating for me to clean the garage. And then a few weeks later, it looks like I didn't do anything. And so I don't know if you've had this conversation in your house, but I say, there are six of us living in this house. How is it possible that that we can't work together and make our house look better? Well, because there's six of us living in the house, and here's what happens. So any one of us walking through the garage, going into our, our door into the laundry room, if we have anything in our hand that we don't know what to do with, or if my kids don't want to take it to their room, they just nicely put it in the garage. And then it stays there, and then it builds up, and stuff gets accumulated. And then after a while, like we get this crazy cycle where, hey, dad's frustrated again, must be garage cleaning day. And then I clean the garage, and it happens again. So like, I'm even a little bit irritated being on the stage right now. Can you tell? <laughs> All right, so I need an inner peace moment. So let's look at the screen together and look at a different garage. Okay. For those of you who are jealous, this is Tim Jones' garage. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Tim is our executive pastor, pastor of spiritual development, and apparently pastor of cleaning garages. So, like, his floor has got that nice paint job on it. I'm like, I have always wanted that, but, like, I'm not going to do that. i got to clean my garage. And, you know, he's got uh, stuff where his kids can play in the garage. A car can be parked there. If you've ever wondered why he's so good at basketball, we now see that that's his <laughs> practice court right there. He's really mastered the, you know, reverse dunk. He's got it all. So, 
All right. Enough with that. Let's get back into the chaos, okay? So welcome back to my world. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, a super fun world for, for me to be in, especially when I look at that. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I would like an honest answer, not that you wouldn't give me anything but that. And don't worry, your answer won't hurt my feelings too badly. So here's the question. Why do you think my garage looks like this? Kids? Kids? Thank you. Another parent. Power to the parents. Somebody blames their, their kids. Okay, so who else? What else? Time. Time? Too much stuff? Not focused? It's not my focus. Yeah, so priority? Yeah. Time management? <laughs> Somebody said a pallet addiction. Yeah, Cody up here. So a hoarder, yeah. You could say lazy. I mean, you could, you've been gentle so far, so thank you for that. So here are the, the excuses that I give myself. I'm sure everybody's right in some respects. So what I say to myself, what I say to my wife on a consistent basis is, I just don't have time. I, don't, I just don't have time. Like, it's just not a priority to me right now. Like, I have way more important things to do than do that. Like, I, I just can't get to it. I'll get to it. And you know the day when I'll get to it, and everybody will fear that day. I'll get to it one day, but I just don't have the time. Anybody heard excuses like that or given an excuse like that? Okay, so probably, you know, just three of us, but a lot of us, I think, can understand. So when do I give my garage the attention it needs? (laughs) Great answer, yes. (laughs) When she says, you get out there and don't you come back in this house until that garage is cleaning. That one. Or when I get so incredibly frustrated, like I've tripped over things five too many times. And anybody have scooters at your house? I hate scooters. I hate them. Had a yard sale the other day, tried to sell all of them and just couldn't get rid of all of them. Um, I hate those things. You know, my kids leave them around. I pick them up. They bang my shins. And I'm like, oh, scooter. So that's when I clean my garage is when I'm so irritated. I'm stepping over stuff for the 10th time. And I'm like, okay. Here it is. So here, here's one of my finer parenting moments. Um, a few years ago, I got so frustrated. The kids have shoes everywhere. And like, they have to have all their shoes on the floor at the same time, all over the place. And so I said to my kids, get down here and get your shoes or I'm throwing them all in the trash. And my kids are like, new shoes. That's, <laughs> can we go shopping, dad? That's great. And I'm like, wait a second. I didn't think about that one really well. So For those of you who are wondering, how does God fit into all this? Today's message is not about my garage, so let me just assure you. It's about something more important than that. And here's what I found for me, and I think for a lot of us, my life can look a lot like my garage. And I I found that for me, and maybe you found that for you. I mean, there's moments where I just get so busy. I've got so much stuff crammed into my schedule. I just don't feel like I have time to spend with God the way that I want to spend time with him. I don't have time to invest in my marriage the way that I want to invest in that relationship. I don't have time to invest in my kids or my friendships or even myself. Like I just don't have time to give myself that margin, that mental space to think and breathe and and grow and learn and and maybe just even relax. Like... Like, what is that? I don't even know what that looks like at at moments because my life looks like my garage. And what I know about our culture is that I'm not alone. 
that there are many of us where our lives look worse than my garage. We are so busy. So many things crammed into our schedule. We can't keep up with all of it. We don't even have time to do the things that we need to do, much less the things that we want to do. And you remember that thought that we had when it comes to technology? We all had this dream. One day, we'll be able to push a button and food will just appear. And one day, we'll have information at, you know, at a fingertip away that we just push a button. All the information we could ever get would be right there. And won't life be so simple and stress-free when that happens? And technology has done some amazing things for us, but technology has pushed our pace of life to unsustainable speeds. And we are living at a speed of life, I think many of us, where our our schedules are so packed, they're so full. There's some huge consequences related to that. And I think there are these really subtle consequences, these things that we don't see immediately and yet they slip into our lives and they impact us for a long time and we don't even recognize it. It just happens slowly and then it happens quickly and we're not even sure that it's happening. So think with me for a moment about some of the consequences of being way too busy. So if you're too busy to eat healthy, what do we do? We fast food. Yeah, we go through McDonald's, we go through Chick-fil-A, we go through Sonny's, we go wherever, you know, like, hey, I gotta pick up dinner, I I gotta get home, I gotta feed the kids, I gotta get food, I gotta take them to their next event, I gotta go to the next activity, like, I gotta go. So, you know, that's okay, a a night or two, but when we make that a, a pattern, a lifelong pattern, I won't ask for a raise of hands, but I know there are seasons where I've been in that, maybe you've been in that, where like, man, I am just swinging by, picking stuff up way too much. Why? Because I'm so busy. And what's the long-term consequence of that? Health issues that I'd rather not look at, and so I kind of, ah, that, that, that won't be a factor. I've got these good intentions. I'll get this figured out one day. Or if someone's too busy for their marriage, what can happen there? And fall apart. And it happens all the time. I watch it all the time. I see uh, couples, uh, they, you know, you get married or you're hanging out in this relationship and, you know, things are great and you're focusing a lot of attention on each other and then you have kids and then all of a sudden the kids get the primary attention and, and they need a lot of attention, deserve a lot of attention, but they get all the attention. And if your date with your spouse is your anniversary dinner every year, if that's all you get, guess what? You have no margin in your life for that relationship. You're not investing in that relationship the way that you should invest in that relationship. And the long-term consequence of that is you get to a spot where the kids are grown and gone and you look at each other and go, like, I don't even know who you are anymore. I'm not sure I want to continue to hang out with a stranger. I think maybe I'll start over. Or if we're too busy for our kids, like, man, I've got to work, got to provide you know, your lifestyle requires a lot of stuff. Our lifestyle requires a lot of stuff. So I got to work. I got to give you the stuff here that, that you want. And we miss out on giving them the stuff that they need. If we're too busy for our friends, we can find ourselves extremely lonely in moments when we are in desperate need of friendships. If we're too busy for ourselves, we can find ourselves pulling away from, from life because we're so burnt out. Like, we just don't want to be around anybody. We don't talk to anybody. We just want to be alone. And we want to spend large amounts of time numbing our mind, maybe watching TV or surfing the web 
or something. So we can just numb our mind from that experience. And so we kind of make the cycle worse. If we're too busy to manage our finances, we can find ourselves in bankruptcy before we ever realize what happened. Like, how did this go wrong? Like, how did my finances get away from me? I don't understand how it got so far away from me. And if we're too busy for God, that decision can impact us not only today, but for all of eternity. I'm just too busy for God. And and what often we do with God is we have this conversation, we give him these really nice excuses, and we hope that God judges us based upon our intentions and not our actions. So my intention, God, like, I, I want to go to church more often. I want to read the Bible more. I want to get in a small group. And I mean, I really want to serve more consistently. I want to, but I just don't have time. I just don't have time for that. And so we continue to push God aside and say, one day I'll get there. Or one day I'll seriously explore a relationship with God. One day we keep pushing that aside, keep pushing that aside, and that decision can not only affect us today, it can affect us for all of eternity. It's a big subject that we're talking about. It has huge consequences, consequences that are bigger than I think that we realize. So this is why this is so important. Here's why this is so important for all of us, is that we cannot grow to be the people God wants us to be if we're too busy. We cannot grow to be the people that God wants us to be if we're just too busy. It doesn't happen in a microwave moment, that moment that we all want, that push of a button, what, you know, spiritual growth or relationship with God or God to solve a problem or prayer to really work in my life. It doesn't happen with just the push of a button. It happens when we slow down. It happens more of like in a crock pot moment where we marinate and we spend larger and larger amounts of time with God and growing that relationship where we have space to actually think and dream and read and learn and apply and grow. It doesn't happen at the pace of life that most of us live. Now, here's what I know about our crowd this morning. You don't have to be convinced of that. I don't think anybody has to be convinced that living with margin is the best lifestyle to have. I mean, think about it. We dream about it. Like some of us work so hard thinking one day I'm going to retire and I'll have it of all the margin I could ever want. I'll be able to do whatever I want in that moment. And so we dream about it. But there's this interesting tension that we have with margin. We want it so badly and yet we fight it in our lives. We do a lot of interesting things to keep margin out of our lives. And here's some reasons why I think that we do that. So the first reason is we're trying to keep up with other people. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses. So that was a series we did several um, weeks ago. So everybody else has got something going on and they've got this crazy pace and they, their kids are involved in five extracurricular activities. We feel like we have to do the same. Somebody posts on Facebook or social media, a great cruise they went on. And wow, we feel like we got to do that as well. And so we're depriving our family if we're not doing that. So we're trying to keep up with everybody else that's going on around us in the pace that they are living. You know, you drive down the interstate, somebody's going 90. I feel like I got to go 90. I got to follow them as well. I got to keep up with whatever they are doing and whatever they have. Another reason that I think that we fight against margin is because it makes us feel less important. Think about the most common answer to this question. You see somebody you haven't seen in a while and they say, hey, how's life going? What's the most common answer we give? Great. Busy. Busy. 
You know, one of the m- most common answers I give when somebody say, hey, how's life? Busy, really busy, trying to keep up with church and ministry and family and life. You know, it's just really busy. Think about the alternative answer to that and what that means for us. Somebody asks you how life is going and you say, got a lot of margin, just, just kind of hanging out, waiting for God to show me the next thing to do. So that person either thinks like, hey, did you win the lottery or something? Or did you get fired? And are you just sitting on your rear doing nothing at home? Like, you're not important. Like, I am so important because I got to go. I got stuff to do. We'll see you later. So sometimes we just feel like if we've got too much margin, it makes us feel less important. Another reason we fight against margin is because our society as a whole does not want us to have it. So does your boss want you to have margin? No. What's your boss want you to do? Work. What do your coworkers want you to do? Work. What do your kids want you to do? Do your homework, their homework. <laughs> Drive them around and get some of the form. I, I don't know. I mean, the people around us, they typically don't want us to have margin. They want us to do what, what we need to do for them when they want us to do whatever that thing is. And so they, they push us for that. And so we can get into this false uh, belief system where we believe that, man, my, I've got to do this. I've got to be at this pace. My boss says I have to. My kids say I have to. I mean, my spouse expects that I do this. And so we push ourselves forward. Maybe even we have this internal drive and our expectations are higher than anybody else's. I just have to do this. I've got to keep going. I've got to keep doing this stuff. And so we keep that pace up just because our society is fighting against it for us. Another reason. It gives us a false sense of control over our lives. Somehow we feel like we're controlling more of our life as we put more things into it. And so uh, we we speed up the pace and we add this to our schedule and add this to our schedule and I can do that and that'll be great for me and then maybe that'll be great for our family. That'll work. I could do that at work. And we we keep adding, we keep adding, we keep adding, thinking we can do it. And if I'm doing it, you know, if it's going to get done right, who's got to do it? Me. So I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be involved and I'm going to manage this thing as best I can. Then we get some short-term rewards for that with long-term consequences. So maybe uh, we work a little overtime and we get a nice bump in the paycheck. Wow, that's great. Like that. Man, I love that, that feeling of that. We can do more with that. So then we start working more on a consistent basis to live up to that new lifestyle that we have. Or we are working a little bit more to get ahead at work. So our normal 40-hour work week is, uh, is beyond what we can do. So we work an extra 10, maybe 15 hours a week just to keep up or keep ahead of the work that we have. And guess what happens to that workload? It gets bigger. And so we feel like, I, I got to go in. I got to go in on Saturday. I got to go in on Sunday. I've got to keep ahead of this because this, this machine is moving forward at a fast pace. And if I'm going to stay ahead of it, I've got to do this. So sometimes we feel like it gives us a false sense of control. Now, for those of you who are super interested in what God has to say about this, we've reached the spot, okay? So hopefully... Um, you brought your stretchy pants today because God is going to challenge us in some really big ways uh, with what he has to say. And you'll hear it at first and you'll go, oh, that sounds great. And then we'll dig into it. And I think a lot of us have, will have this experience where we go, you know what, I think maybe I like my busy life. I think maybe I'll stay here because what God is asking is very difficult. So if you have your Bible with you, flip over to Psalms chapter 46. So Psalms 46 If you don't have your Bible with you, it's going to come up on the screens. This is what God says. 
God says this very emphatically. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Now, doesn't that sound so great? I mean, I I hear that and think, man, that is like that Hallmark card moment, isn't it? And, you know, that's kind of a card I like to write to somebody who's going through a difficult season of life. Hey, just be still and know that God is in control. I mean, it sounds so great until you've tried it. And if you've tried it, you understand how incredibly difficult it can be. I try to start most of my mornings by practicing this verse. So most of my mornings before I do anything at work, I grab my Bible, I flip it over, open, I start reading, I start praying. I'm trying to be still. I'm trying to orient my mind and my relationship with God. I'm trying to hear from God. I'm trying to to make sure I'm thinking the thoughts that God wants me to think. And and I've got on my schedule the stuff that God wants me to have on my schedule for the day. And I got to tell you, there are many moments that I would rather do anything but that. I mean, like my mind, my body wants to get up and go somewhere else, go do something else, you know, go respond to text messages or emails. I hate emails, but I would rather in moments respond to emails or set up a message or, or a meeting or work on a next message or do anything like go around and like empty everybody's trash in the office. There are moments I'm like, oh, that sounds better than sitting and being still because everything in me fights that fights slowing down and listening, and hearing, and learning, and having that margin in my life. And here's one of the thoughts that I have in that battle. I tell myself, I've got way too much to do. I am so busy. And so there are moments, it's, it's almost like I'm doing this with God. Hey, God, can we like hurry this up? Can, can you like give me that thought or that profound thing that you want me to know and do in my life or you want me to teach to our church? Can you hurry up and do that? Like, I got emails to return. Like, I got a meeting later and I got to get ready for it. And that's not a good spot to be, obviously. It's not a good place to be when you're, you're trying to, to connect with God and slow the pace of your life down. And in those moments that I'm tempted to give in to the pressure that I feel. And if I close my Bible before I've been still long enough, then some bad things happen for me. And it's so interesting. If I give in to that temptation, guess what? My day typically goes worse. Doesn't go better. And when is long enough? For me, long enough is when I don't want to close my Bible. Long enough, that's how I measure it for me is when I get to a spot where I'm like, I could keep reading. I could do this all day long. But in those moments, if I'm tempted, if I give in to temptation and I close that, I forget some incredibly important things and my life typically goes worse that day. I forget that God's in control, not me. And I make it all about me. And sometimes I feel like the world hinges upon what I accomplish in a day. Like, wow, it's all up to me. I got so much to do, I better get it done. Apparently, I'm such an important person. God, like, you know, you can wait. Maybe we'll talk more tomorrow. Not a great spot to be. So for me, my battle with margin is tied to something that I don't like to admit. And so we're going to have kind of a more of a pastoral confession moment, okay? More than we have already had. 
It's tied for me to this thought. I think I can control my life better than God can. Like I, I'm, I'm sure that some of you feel that way. But there are moments that I feel like I have a better plan than God does. And, and I'm like, God, like, didn't you see that? That's what I, I wanted done. That's what needed to be done. You should have done it that way. And there are moments that I don't trust God. I don't trust that God's going to do what, God, what I want God to do in my finances or in my relationships or in my work or, or anything. So there are moments that I just don't trust. And so when I give in to that temptation to think it's all about me and to control, I start grabbing onto stuff and I start speeding the pace of my life up again. I push margin aside and bad things happen for me. It leads to trouble. It leads to temptation. It leads to uh, some, some poor health issues in my life. It leads to irritation at work, aggravation at home. It leads to all kinds of stuff that are not good for me or for us, things that we shouldn't have in our lives, but it's because we've just given in to this thought that we are so busy and we are so important and we may be more in control of our lives than God is. Now, the Hebrew word in Psalms 46.10, you got those two words there, be still. Uh, the Hebrew meaning of that is let go. Let go. So God says, let go. Let go of your desire to control everything, your work, your relationships, your marriage, your kids. I mean, all the stuff that you are trying so hard to control, just let go of that. Let go of, of you trying to live up to everybody's expectations. Let go of you trying to find your identity in the amount of work that you accomplish or how big your paycheck is or how many letters you can fit behind your name. Let go of that. Let go and remember that I am God that I am in control, that I know your needs, and I know the best way to meet those needs. So being still and learning how to do that is the first step in us learning to live with the margin that God wants us to live with. Now, we're going to jump up to the first part of... Um, Psalms 46, those first few verses. We're going to see how that leads us into verse 10 and see how uh, verse 10 leads us into that as well. So listen to this. Starting in verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. So the first part of that says, God is our refuge and strength. So a personal question for all of us is, who is your refuge and strength? Who or what do you turn to when life is chaotic, when life is going at such a fast pace that you just can't manage it? I mean, do you turn to work thinking, if I just work a few more hours, this is going to solve it? Do you turn to a hobby Thinking, I'm just going to hide myself in this hobby. Or maybe you turn to some mind-numbing activity. Let me just numb my mind because I don't know how to even address you know, my, my, my life, my work, and the chaos there. Do you turn to some secret sin? Thinking at least maybe this will give me a moment. 
of pleasure and a, a life that I just can't even begin to control? Who or what do you turn to? Do you turn to God? Say, God, like, I need your help. Like, I can't manage this. And my pace of life is pushing me farther and farther away from you. I can't manage this. I need your help. So the next part of verse 1 says, God is ready to help at all times. So God's always ready to help, even with our overloaded schedules, especially with our overloaded schedules. Because God understands the huge implication for, for us for all of eternity if we continue to give in to the lie that I'm just so busy and I've got these good intentions and God will understand and he'll just have to wait. God is available if we'll turn to him for help. James 4 verse 8 says, draw close to God or come close to God and God will come close to you. So when we pause and say, God, I need your help, and we turn in his direction, guess what? He turns and takes a bigger step in our direction. He never goes anywhere except to take another step towards us. So will you turn to him for the help that you need in managing the chaos of your life or my life? Uh, verse two then gives us some of those benefits of seeing God as our refuge and our strength and us running to him instead of other people or, or other things and God being available to help. So here's some of the benefits from that. We will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. So for us, like we don't have to be afraid of the consequences of us living with margin. We don't have to be afraid when we come along and say like, I can't do that. I'm sorry, but my kids can't be involved in five extracurricular activities. I know that you might think I'm a horrible parent, but I can't continue to live at that pace. We, we can say, like, I, I won't be afraid of my boss and his expectations that he keeps pushing, she keeps pushing and pushing and pushing for more and more and more, and the demands keep getting higher and higher. It's just not humanly possible for me to accomplish what they're asking. I don't have to be afraid of that. I don't have to fear the consequence of trying to juggle life and I just can't keep it all juggled. And God says, you weren't supposed to juggle all that. So a few of those balls need to drop and you don't have to be afraid when they do. And then I love how the third verse here is translated. Listen to this. It says, let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. And it's as if the author there is saying like, listen, I understand the expectations that everybody else have on me. I understand my boss's expectation, my teacher's expectation, my parents' expectation, my coworkers' expectations. I understand even my own expectations, but here's what they're gonna have to do. They're gonna have to roar and foam at the mouth but I've got to learn to live with margin. Like they can roar as loud as they want. It doesn't matter. I'm not gonna allow that to impact me and push me farther and farther away from the God who desperately loves me. I've got to learn how to create margin in my life. So that happens as we slow down. It happens when we purposely create margin and we purposely say, I'm going to learn how to be still. And that does not mean sitting in front of the TV for hours. But I'm going to learn how to be still. I'm going to learn how to listen to God. I'm going to learn how to interact with him on a deeper level, not in a microwave moment, but in more of a crock pot marinade where I spend time with him and he teaches me how to have margin in my relationships, my finances, my health, my eating, where God can instruct me in the best possible way for me to live. 
So listen to what Jesus says. I think it's very appropriate for all of us in this context of what we're talking about today. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Just curious. Anybody weary today? Anybody carrying a heavy burden? So Jesus is speaking to you today. He says, come to me. Those of you who are weary and carry a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And some of you need to do that today. You need to come to Jesus, and you need to say like this, this is on my shoulders, the schedule, this, whatever I have it, on me is crushing me. Like these expectations that I have, the expectations other people have, they're crushing me. And Jesus invites you to come and let him give you rest. He's gentle and he'll teach you the best possible way to live. So here's my recommendations for us today. Number one, I encourage you to begin a conversation with God about that. And if you're in that spot where, man, you're just overloaded, overwhelmed, can't see straight, not, not sure how to even get your life back in order because of the busyness of your schedule, then I encourage you to start today. As our worship team's gonna come out in a minute. And they're gonna guide us through a final song. Use that song as an opportunity to connect with God on a deeper level and begin a conversation with him and cry out to him and say, God, I need your help. The pace of my life is killing the work that you want to do in my life. So Lord, I need help. If you have a burden that you need prayer for, like if you would like someone to pray with you, uh, we've got some folks that would love to pray with you this morning. So they'll be in this back section over here, uh, my right, your left. Um, just go in the back during the song, look for someone who's wearing a sticker. It says prayer on it. So just find a person that's got a prayer sticker. They would love to pray with you. This morning. Next thing I encourage you to do is to find some time this week, create some time this week to be still. And I've put together a be still guide for you. It's on the back of our spiritual growth challenge. So we make those available each week, just takes what we're talking about on Sunday just a little bit deeper. And you can pick one up at our connection center before you leave today. Just pick that up on the back side. Just follow along. And it starts with 15 minutes the first day, and it ends with 45 minutes. So you're going to work your way up to learning how to be still before God. So there's a guide for you with that. But I got to warn you, this is going to be probably one of the most difficult things that, that many of you have done. And you're going to want to give in. You're going to want to quit. You're going to want to close your Bible and go about the, the things that you have to do. But I encourage you, don't do that. Don't. Just do everything you can to learn to slow down and live at a, a pace of life that God has designed us to live. And the last thing I encourage you to do is to come back next week and bring a friend with you. Um, next week, we're gonna continue this. We're gonna dive a little deeper in this subject and we're gonna look at a contrasting story in the Bible uh, of a person who created margin in a moment when other people didn't want that to happen and a person who didn't create margin and some of the consequences that came for them. So I hope you'll come back next week as we look into that story. So let's pray. Then our worship team is going to guide us as we close. And if you need prayer, then go ahead and go to the back. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for the, the chance that we have to get together today and read your word. And Lord, most of us understand that we live at a very uh, high pace of life, and this pace of life is killing the work that you want to do in our lives. 
And Lord, we've got to learn how to slow down. And yet everything in us says, no, we can't. Like, we can't afford it. We can't, can't do that. We've got to keep pushing farther and farther and faster and faster. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help all of us to see what you mean in Psalms 46, 10, that we should be still. We should let go. We should trust you. And remember that you are sovereign and in complete control of our lives. And Lord, and understand that, that we worry about so many things and the pace of our life often is driven by some of our worries and our fears. And we need to trust you and learn how to live with the margin you've designed us to live with. So Lord, I pray that you would uh, guide us in that journey today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Chris. Welcome to Epic Church. I've got just a couple of quick announcements before Trent comes out here and gives his message. First of all, I would like to address anybody that's new here. We have a connection center that's set up behind the curtain over there. So if you get a chance after service, uh, stop on by. We'd love to meet you personally and uh, maybe answer any questions that you may have, but at least just to shake your hand and say hi. Well, today is the last day for the Giving Tree Referrals. And uh, we'll be talking in the next couple of weeks about how we can, as a church, fulfill those referrals. But for now, we're just taking referrals. And this is for our church family, or at least anybody within Flagler County. We're not going to really be able to reach outside of Flagler County for this particular event. So if you want to fill out a referral, you know a family in need, visit our website at www.theepicchurch.com, and you'll be able to do that right from there. Well, I want to take a moment to applaud you as a church, your generosity, your willingness to give. We threw out a challenge, uh, a 3G giving challenge, and we were able to collect $4,300 for that. That was just, that is just amazing. And we want to show you exactly what we are doing with that $4,300, but you're going to have to come back next week. I know, so I'm throwing it out there, a little teaser, so you're like, ah, oh, I'm not going to know. Come back next week, and you're going to see exactly what went on with that 4,300. It's going to be amazing. Bring your tissues. It's going to be good stuff. So speaking about giving, if you've been coming to Epic for a while, you call Epic home, and you've chosen to partner with us financially, there's a couple of different ways you can do that. We have giving boxes that are set up behind the seating sections on the tables, or if you visit our website, you can give securely online by clicking on the giving tab. So what I'd like to do is I'm just going to pray for our service. If you would bow your heads with me, and then Trent's going to come out and give the rest of the message. So God, I just thank you for today. Um, thanks for the volunteers that make this whole thing happen and work on Sunday mornings, Lord. And Father, I thank you for the hearts that are being saved and the people that are coming through the doors every single weekend. I pray that our actions and words during the week reflect your grace and love. Lord, you know, it's so cool to see the willingness of the church Come together and help those in need. So please, please lead us in helping the less fortunate as the holiday season comes up. Lord, I pray for your blessings on our church, on our county, and our entire country as each day passes. I pray for this service that it captures your desires and spreads beyond these four walls. And thank you, Lord, once again for all that you have done. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.